Hello, welcome to God Day. I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to look at two great Psalms. Psalm 2 and Psalm 110, and they both are very special Psalms um, which really speak about the present time. Um, they both talk about the time when the Messiah has ascended into heaven and yet uh, uh, not, he hasn't actually returned yet in power to take over the earth. And so these Psalms, at least in part, talk about the time that we're living in now, between the time when the Messiah is come and through his victorious death and resurrection, he has received all authority in heaven and earth. He's ascended on high. He's seated on the Father's right hand. But it, there is waiting then for the future time when he is going to um, return and enforce his authority and establish his kingdom on the earth. And so it's very interesting to look at these two Psalms because they kind of speak to us about the present time. Let's uh, go to Psalm 2 first of all. <coughs> And uh, it starts in a very dramatic way. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? I like that. This is, this is really all the nations, the peoples of the world and their rulers, all scheming, all plotting. And God says it's a vain thing. It's all empty because God's not in their plans. And when God's not in your plans, you know, it will all come to a big nothing in the end, however impressive it might look for a time. It's all vanity. It's empty without, if God is not in the middle of, of what you're doing. And then it describes it more. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against Yahweh, and against his anointed. So you see like a spiritual warfare going on now. On the one side is the Lord, Yahweh, and his anointed one, and that is Christ of course, Jesus Christ. But also, we could see us in there, and this is what's called the mystery, the mystery of the church, that we are in Christ, we are in the anointed, and we are anointed ones, and we represent Christ right now at this time. And so there's a spiritual battle going on between the, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, uh, the God with, with Yahweh, and his anointed one, and his anointed ones. And many of the, the people of the earth and their rulers are operating uh, against God, and they want to drive God out of the world system altogether. And so you, you have this obvious battle. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the, against the Lord and his anointed. You know, they, they are not neutral as far as God's concerned. They're, they're against him, and they are resisting him. And they want to set up their own humanistic um, world empire, you might say. And um, you can also see the, the, the demonic spirits. And in, in verse 3, I, I, I see this as, as even the demons speaking, who are motivating uh, this. Let us break their bonds up in pieces and cast away their cords from us. 
And so these are the enemies of God and they are actually bound and they are trying to get free from the bondage. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. You see, the Bible says that God's weapon in this warfare is his anointed one and his anointed ones. And the anointing breaks the yoke. So, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of demons because when we walk in the room, if we're filled with the Spirit, we put the demons into bondage. And they, they, are, they are under, uh, as it were, they can't operate in our presence. And, and they are saying, let us break their bonds. So the anointed ones who, who are appointed of Christ, praise God, we put the enemy into bondage and they are desperately trying to get free from the presence of the anointing of God that flows through us. Praise God. And, but here we have this, this warfare going on behind uh, everything going on in the world. And how, what is God's reaction to this, the kingdom of darkness that tries to operate through uh, the men and women who, who reject God? If God is not perplexed, he is not uh, discouraged. In fact, verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. In other words, God knows that all their efforts to get rid of him, to take over the world, is going to utterly fail. And he laughs at their fo the foolish efforts, the foolishness of resisting God, the foolishness of rejecting God, the fool who says in his heart there is no God, or if there is, he doesn't really matter. What utter foolishness that is. And God just laughs at that because he knows the end from the beginning and he knows who wins and he knows he wins. Praise God. And, and so we already see that God is totally confident. He is in the heavens. He's far above all of this. And so he has the ultimate sovereign control over the whole battle. Verse 5. And then we see the other side of God. He doesn't just laugh. It says, then he will speak to him in his wrath. And God is angry against sin and he's angry against rebellion. And rebellion is the rejection of God and the rejection of God's authority. And all the human rulers that think they're the final authority and they do not acknowledge God, they are going to face the wrath of God one day. Because God... Um, doesn't just laugh at them, at their foolishness. He will speak to them in his wrath and he will distress them in his deep displeasure. You don't want to be on the wrong side of God. You know, there is the goodness of God and there's the severity of God. And the severity of God means the cutting off of God. God is patient, but when you come to the end of his patience, then he cuts you off and then it's too late. And so it says that he will distress them in his deep displeasure. And he says in verse six, this is his answer to the spiritual warfare. And this is what we need to understand. If we are in the spiritual warfare and you're experiencing that, this is God's response. He says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Praise God. I have set my king 
on my holy hill of Zion. This Zion that he's talking about is the heavenly Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. He says in Hebrews 12.22, we have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, um, the city of the great king. And this is seen in the New Jerusalem and at the peak of Mount Zion is the throne of God. And he says that I have set my king, King Jesus, on my holy hill. In other words, Jesus has already come. He's won the victory and he has ascended on high and he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father uh, on the throne of God, on the holy, it says, the holy hill of Zion. Praise God. God, Jesus, is on the throne of God. He is the, the, the anointed one and he is victorious and we are in him. Praise God. And we share his victory. We share his authority. Praise God. In other words, God has already made the winning move. He's already conquered. He's already obtained through his anointed one. He sent his weapon, if you like. His weapon was the anointed one. And the anointed one came into the earth. And through his death and resurrection, he took on the full attack of the enemy and he defeated it. And then he rose far above all principalities and powers and is seated at the right hand of God. And he is installed as king and he now has all authority. He has the legal right to take authority over the world at any time that uh, God chooses. And so God has already made the winning move and there is now a man called Jesus Christ who's also God at the right hand of God. And this is what God declares, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And and when we face the spiritual pressure, we need to declare, no, Jesus is Lord. Jesus has all authority. Jesus has conquered already all the forces of the enemy. I don't have to try and win the battle. The battle's already been won. The victory's already been won. And in the name of Jesus now, I just enforce that victory. But it's not me trying to get the victory. I come from a position of victory because Jesus has been installed at the right hand of God on God's holy hill of Zion. Praise God. And then it's then Jesus himself talks. The anointed one speaks and declares the victory. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And so here, Jesus, in the spiritual warfare, he declares the decree. Now, if you check into Acts 13, 33, I think, it actually relates that to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when it happened. God spoke, having been satisfied by Jesus' perfectly righteous life, and that in his death he had paid the full penalty for our sins, when he raised Jesus from the dead, he declared a decree. And uh, it says in Acts 13.33, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So this is what God the Father spoke into Christ, uh, when he raised him from the dead, he said, you are my son today, I have begotten you. And Jesus 
was raised from the dead, praise God, and established on God's throne. And as I said, we are in Christ. So in a sense, we can apply this to ourselves. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are one with Christ. And so in the spiritual warfare, we need to declare the decree. You know, what God declared to us when we're born again. When we're born again, our spirit was raised with Christ and our spirit was seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we need to declare the decree. What the Lord said to me, he says, today, you, you are my son. You are begotten of, of me. You are born again. And we declare who we are in Christ. No, I am saved. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. Praise God. I'm, I'm in Christ. Praise God, I'm far above all the power of the enemy. We de declare the decree of what God has already done. Hallelujah. We play the spiritual warfare from a place of victory. Not trying to get the victory, but from a position of victory. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places and we declare the decree of the Lord and we live from that position and we fight from that position. And then... The decree goes on and it says in verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And that's what Jesus, God said to Jesus, I give you the authority over the whole world. All authority in heaven and on earth is, is yours now. So in that decree, when Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, God says, Ask of me, it's all yours. I give you the nations. Praise God. And we share in that. We will rule and reign with him. Hallelujah. And this is also a great missionary verse because part of that inheritance of Jesus is all the souls that will be saved in all the different nations. And so we can pray that prayer. God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations. So in our prayer, in the spiritual warfare, the spiritual warfare is all, really all about the souls of mankind. That's what the war is over. Who will Christ get the harvest that he died for? And so we are to pray and we are to ask God. And he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Ask of God, oh God, save the lost. And God says, I'll hear that prayer and I'll cause that harvest to be gathered in. Uh, and so we're in Christ and we can also enter into this. And then, he prom then the decree also says, you will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And this will particularly happen in the tribulation and the second coming of Christ when Christ begins to use his rod of judgment. He will use that rod to smash the enemy forces in opposition. In the end, every knee will bow and every resistance to, to the anointed one will be destroyed. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is the conqueror. He's the victor and he will put all his enemies on defeat. Uh, at the moment, it's a time of grace. So as many people can be saved as possible, but the day is coming when he's going to start moving in judgment and he will destroy all the kingdoms of this world. And then it says, therefore, in view of that, verse 10, now therefore be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Wake up before it's too late. Get on the right side. 
He says, serve the Lord with fear. Stop fighting God, but serve the Lord with fear. Fear means submission. Submit yourself to God and rejoice with trembling. Yes, tremble because he, in his power, his power is so great. But you can rejoice because if you trust in him, you'll be safe. And he says, kiss the son, verse 12, kiss the son. This is the word for worship, really. In other words, give your heart to the son, submit to the son, worship the son. Kiss the son uh, literally means to, to embrace and, and submit to the son. The son of God, that the anointed one is the son of God. And so this is a call for the nations to repent before it's too late. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled just a little. In other words, you don't want to be under his wrath. Even just a little bit of, of his wrath will totally consume you and you will perish. But if you submit to him, you'll be safe. And here is the gospel. The very last line says, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. And that's the gospel. If you will just put your trust in the son, if you will to kiss him as it were, and love him, you will be blessed with eternal life. In other words, there is this spiritual conflict going on. And the time will come when God's patience and long-suffering will run out and he is going to start moving in his wrath against this uh, terrible wickedness and then it will be too late. So before it's too late, all peoples of the earth are told, put your trust in the Son, submit to him and you will be blessed with eternal life. In the end, everyone during this time uh, it, the battle is over the souls of mankind and each soul has to make up their mind. Are they going to be part of the kingdom of darkness or are they going to be part of the kingdom of God? And this psalm makes it very clear who wins. And uh, in, because Christ, God has already made his winning move. He's already demonstrated his superior power by sending his anointed one into the earth, destroying the works of the enemy beating them, triumphing over them in his death and resurrection, seated him at his right hand. Praise God. Uh, and now we are anointed with the same anointing. Praise God. Demons tremble in our presence if we know who we are as children of God. Hallelujah. Let's quickly go to Psalm 110, which complements this. And uh, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. This happened, of course, at the ascension of Christ. This is quoted many times in the New Testament. God said to Jesus, sit at my right hand. This is when he was installed as, as king um, at the right hand of God. And he says, until I make your enemies your footstool. And so this is the period of time right now when Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and he's going to sit in that position. The, the sitting represents the fact that he's accomplished his work and he's in a place of rest, as it were. He's enthroned. But the time is coming. Although he has the authority, he's not enforcing his authority yet over the kingdoms of this world. But the day will come when he is going to make his enemies his footstool. He's going to crush his enemies underfoot. That's going to happen 
when he stops sitting and he starts standing and he leaves his throne and he starts judging the earth. And that will be concluded at the second coming of Christ. He's going to make his enemies his footstool. But right now, he's seated at the right hand of God until the Father releases him to start judging. That will happen actually in the tribulation. And then it describes how things are right now. The Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Zion, that's the heavenly Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. And so God, he's operating in authority, but he does it through his church. We're going to see that. His rod of power actually extends from the throne room. Um, and he says, rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, his enemies are on earth. So he's ruling from heaven, but he's ruling in the midst of his enemies. How? Through his people. We'll see that in the next verse. But he has given us his name and his authority, and we, his rod of iron, his rulership extends through us. We have authority to bind and to loose. He says, rule in the midst of his enemies. Well, it's us who live in the midst of his enemies, but we have authority in his name. That's in verse 3. Your people shall be volunteers. That's the mark of the people of God. We volunteer. We make ourselves available to God for prayer and to operate in this spiritual warfare. We have to volunteer in this. Your, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. This is the day of Christ's power. Praise God. And, but we have to volunteer. We have to make ourselves available for God's authority and power to flow through us. It says, in the beauties of holiness, and really this is really talking about they are dressed as priests. We are priests of God. We represent him. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. And this is talking about that we actually um, we come out of the spiritual womb of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we were raised from the dead, we were born, you know, through the resurrection, we are born again. The, the dew of the morning, praise God. And we are brought forth uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have the dew. That's talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us and uh, to be priests unto God. And we are his volunteers, and through us he extends his authority. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And this is Jesus, is the great high priest at the right hand of God. And Melchizedek was a king and a priest. And the, he is the high priest, and the, it's not the Levitical priesthood now, it's the a different priesthood in operation now after the resurrection of Christ. It's a priesthood of Melchizedek. And we are all Melchizedek priests. And the Melchizedek was a king priest. So we are a royal priesthood. And a, that means we exercise authority in the name of our high priest, King Melchizedek, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, verse 5, the Lord is at your right hand and... This is a mistake here because the is is not there. It talks about the Lord at your right hand. Now, notice this word Lord is Adonai. This is a name for God himself. So the one who is at the right hand of the Father is Adonai, is God himself. This is a word used only for God. And so 
going back to verse 1, it says, the Lord said to my Lord, when he says my Lord, that's talking about Jesus, we know that, the son of David, uh, but the word used, Adon, isn't necessarily God. Now the fact he's at the right hand of God implies he's God, but in verse 5 it absolutely says that the one at the right hand is Adonai. So Jesus is God according to this verse. The Lord at your right hand is what it's saying. Adonai is the one. He will execute kings in the day of his wrath. So this is at his second coming. He is going to destroy all the opposing kings of the earth. He will judge among the nations. He will fill the places with dead bodies. This is Armageddon. This is Jesus returning in power and glory. He will execute the heads of many countries. In other words, Jesus is coming to take over this earth, take over this world, destroy the kingdoms of this world and all those who oppose him and establish his kingdom on the earth. Praise God. He will execute the heads of many countries. He will drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up the head. And so this is a picture of the time before, between the second and the first, com, first and the second coming of Christ. Praise God. A bit like Psalm 2, you see. He, he will ascend on high. He will sit at the right hand of God. He will receive all authority in heaven and earth. And yet there will be a period of time in which he will rule. He won't crush his enemies underfoot. He will rule in the midst of his enemies. He will rule through his volunteers, through his people, through his royal priesthood. And they will exercise authority in his name, but he won't destroy his enemies because he wants to save as many as possible. But when that time period comes to an end, and I believe we're getting very close to the end of this time period, the time will come when the Lord Adonai, who's at the right hand, will now move in judgment and he will execute the kings of the earth and he will, he will fill the earth with the dead bodies of many who've rejected him and he will establish his kingdom on earth. Jesus right now has all authority in heaven and earth and the day is coming soon when God the Father will say, okay, it's time to put your enemies underfoot. So while he's seated on the throne, uh, it's a time of grace, but the time will come when he gets up from the throne. And you see that in Revelation 5, the lamb is standing. He's no longer seating and he opens the scroll with seven seals and he starts to release the judgments on the earth. And those judgments build up to a crescendo climax at the second coming of Christ when he returns in power and glory. Have no mistake about it, Jesus is returning and the victory is certain. And he is going to establish his kingdom over all the earth. God only puts up with sin and wickedness for a time to give them a chance to repent. But the time is running out. And so this is a call really for, for repentance, to turn to the Lord kiss the Son, embrace the Son, stop rejecting the Son of God. He's calling to you. He's saying, come to me, open your heart to me, receive me, I love you. Stop resisting me because the time, there will come a time when it's too late and you will have to face me as your judge. So receive me now as your saviour and then you won't have to face me as your judge. 
I would much rather, Jesus says, that you accept me as your Savior and as your Lord. I don't want to be your judge, but give your heart to Jesus if you haven't done that already. Surrender your life to him and he will bless you. Blessed are all who trust in him.